0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Amen. You may be seated. If you did not receive one of the little bulletin uh, folders, there is on the back part of it there a uh, message outline. encourage you to raise your hand and there will be ushers who would love to get you one of those so you can follow along. As well as this will be also helpful for the small groups that are doing the uh, sermon study this next week. And, uh, and so I encourage you to be taking some notes and writing along as we work through this passage. Turn into your Bibles to John chapter 13. John 13. God's mighty word, God's beautiful word, and we'll be looking at that in a moment. Well, it has just been such a beautiful week of weather, hasn't it? I mean, I just love it. Spring is such a wonderful time of year. The beauty, the new life, the new growth. You see the trees starting to bud. You see the grass green, turning green and, and becoming more and more green. You're, 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 you hear the birds chirping louder and louder, it seems. There's just more of them, and they're chirping louder, and so is the chirping inside your head or maybe the chirping outside your head get that yard work done get that get that project accomplished the weather's nice you have no excuse and so life is just springing forth and it's such a good time of year you know what god's plan god's desire for our lives and for each one of us is that we would experience a spiritual springtime Not just in the month of April or May, but that we would experience spiritual springtime in our lives 360 days of the year. That we would experience new life, this resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That we would experience his power, his strength on a daily basis. And causing us to come alive and to be the men, the women, the teenagers, the boys and girls that God calls us and desires us to be. And this happens when we truly encounter Jesus Christ. I'm talking more than just praying a prayer because it's your get out of hell free kind of prayer. And, 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 and you know, you just kind of you follow it along and... I'm glad, glad I got that out of the way. Now I, you know, am going to go to heaven and I can just continue to pursue my best life here on this earth and do whatever I want. Nor am I just talking about having some sort of emotional kind of, oh, count the goosebumps, kind of come to Jesus experience. You know, that maybe happened at summer camp or a Christian concert or evangelistic meeting. I'm not diminishing those things. But what is so necessary for us to come alive, what is so necessary for the new birth is having an overwhelming, gut-wrenching, dramatic experience between you, between myself and and Jesus, that, that we would have this experience with Jesus where we are undone. We are undone by his perfection. We are undone by his grace and his mercy, where you understand the weight and the ugliness and the cost and the penalty for your sin. And when we understand what our sin has cost Jesus and that he came and he substituted himself in our place when he died on the cross. And this kind of understanding, this head knowledge moves into our heart in understanding that it it causes us to want to change. It starts to change our agenda where Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the King of our life. And the new birth, this new life, this coming alive, this series that we're in, it's about a true and supernatural work of God that produces within us a complete change. It's not going to be instant. It's going to be like the seeds that will soon be going into the ground in seed form. But it's being planted and in time it, it germinates and it, it sends down roots and it sends up life and eventually fruit. And, and what happens because of this new birth is that we are instantly though a new creation. We receive a new disposition with new desires, new affections, new longings, new hopes, new priorities. And if that hasn't happened in your life, you have to really even examine, have I really truly surrendered my life to Jesus Christ? Is the Holy Spirit indwelling in my life? And and what results of this new birth, this coming alive, this resurrection power in us is that there are new spiritual graces. There is the fruit of the Holy Spirit deposited in seed form in our lives. And it begins to grow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And one of the things that ends up taking place is, is, and one of the greatest and most basic evidences of this transformation, is summed up in one word. It's summed up in the word love. God demonstrated His love towards us. Hey guys in the sound, if you could, I think these monitors are on and it's causing a little bit of thing. I don't think I need them. So if they can be turned off, that would be super. God's love being demonstrated in our lives and deposited in us. But it's so easy. I don't know about you. It's so easy to get bogged down, to become discouraged, to have a cloud over top of us. And this past year has been kind of this, this winter cloud that's been a year long now of this COVID that we're dealing with. Even in spring 2021, we're dealing with this. And it's affecting and it's inconveniencing and concerning us all in so many different ways. Last week, we talked about having a preserving, a persevering and a not giving up kind of faith based on Hebrews chapter 12, how daily we need to be dropping the baggage and confessing our sin, all the while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Today, in John chapter 13, we see that the, how the new birth causes us to come alive, come alive with new affections, to be able to love without limits. Because in our own strength and our own power, our love is very limited. And the inflow of God's love to us ought to result in an outflow to love of those around us. Whether that be in our home, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our church, our extended family, wherever we go. Making an impact. Love is what is going to make the biggest impact, not politics. Not vaccines, not lockdowns, not all of these. That is not going to make the impact. The greatest impact in the world that is fragmenting, being pulled apart and falling apart in so many different ways is going to be the love of God. Demonstrated in and through His Son, Jesus Christ, and us living that outflow of what's taken place in our lives. In John chapter 13 to 17, we have what is called the upper room discourse, where Jesus with His disciples is just hours away from his arrest, his crucifixion, and his death. In, in John chapter 13 to 17, these are Jesus' final words, his final instructions to his disciples. And, and I don't know about you, but last words, final words from a person. Oftentimes, when a person passes from this earth, we, we find out, hey, what did they say in their last few moments? Last words are important. Final instructions. You pay attention to them. And so we have this beautiful discourse in John chapter 13 to 17. And Jesus is starting this special, this final time with the disciples in the upper room. And, and, and he starts it by demonstrating and then talking about love. He's preparing them for what is to come. And essentially he's saying, hey, disciples. Hey, you guys, but he's saying a very loving, he's probably not yelling because he, and, and at times he did get a little worked out, but basically he's telling the days of petty, silly conflict and arguments, they're over because that was running rampant in that room. And especially they were just jostling and fighting over who's going to be number one, Who, who's going to sit next to him on the kingdom. They still had everything all mixed up and, and, and he's, calling them and telling them the days of, of of the petty arguments are over. And and they had that considering their heritage, their backgrounds, their certain social status. And he's telling them, you're going to need each other more than you ever needed one another before. And folks, I believe these words are so true in 2021. The time for petty conflicts and arguments are over in the body of Christ. We cannot continue to, to ravage and to be at times so opinionated and hurtful, not in understanding where others are at. And this is what Jesus is getting to the heart of. And these words are so necessary today. We all need to to grow. We need to grow up. We need to grow and we need to pursue a love without limits in a greater way. I know I need it in this life. I didn't like this message very much and you may not like it very much, but I trust that the outcome of it will be incredible as we take and apply God's word. So let's read in chapter, 30, chapter 13, starting at verse 31. It says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. In these verses, what Jesus is essentially saying, my mission here on earth is pretty much mission accomplished. It's coming to an end. My earthly mission is being completed. I will be leaving, as I'm telling you, and I will be returning to my Father in heaven. And where I'm going, you're not going to be able to come with me. And so in light of this, in light of mission being accomplished, in light of that soon I will be gone, you need to pay attention. Here's the very next words that he says, and this is the key part of our text here today in verse 34 and 35. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the first of all, and you can see it in your notes there, to love without limits is oftentimes very inconvenient. Notice it says, when he had gone out. Well, who's he talking about in verse 31 there when he says, when he had gone out? Who's he talking about? Well, understanding the context of what is going on, Jesus had just finished washing his disciples' feet, taking the role of a servant because the rest were too high and mighty to do it. There was nothing that Jesus was not willing to. He was willing to do anything that was necessary. And so he washed his disciples' feet. But then also what had taken place, Judas had just been exposed as the one who would betray Jesus. And he would walk out of the room. So that is the one when he had gone out, when Judas had left. This is also, if you continue to keep reading, you end up seeing that beyond this, we see that Peter is just moments away. The closest, one of the dearest friends to Jesus is minutes away from vehemently denying the the fact that he's going to deny Jesus before the rooster crows. This is the backdrop of what's taking place. And this is just a few hours from Jesus' arrest, being falsely accused, have a kangaroo court take place, basically. He will be beaten beyond recognition, hung, hung naked in humiliation on the cross and suffer not only physically, but also spiritually, bearing the sin and the wrath of God upon himself. At the most inconvenient time, he is, has, has a little bit going on in his life, has a little bit on his mind, he's demonstrating, and now he's calling his disciples to love without limits. And not only is this loving others with, without limits, it's when it's inconvenient. But here's something else about loving without limits. It can also be very inefficient. it happens at the most inconvenient times, loving without limits is also incredibly inefficient. Let's face it, our world thrives on efficiency. We make plans. We have spreadsheets. We have budgets. We have calendars. We try to get and be organized in so many different ways. We want to be efficient. And some of you are really good at that. I'm not so good at it. Some of you are just... You're sick when it comes to that, you're so organized. And and in a world where time is money and you gotta keep on going, pedal to the metal, loving to the limit will oftentimes test that because loving to the limit will often mess with our time, it will mess with our plans, it will mess with our agenda. At times it will also appear insane. There's times that loving to the limits won't make sense. How can I love someone after what they did? after what they said, after what happened in that situation. How could I ever love them? And it's going to at times seem incredibly insane. And yet that is when our love can have the greatest impact because that is what Jesus did. His love towards us appears to easily be so insane. Why would he love someone like me? It will also be expensive. It may come at times. and At times it will cost more than we estimated More than we had budgeted when it comes to our time, when it comes to our treasure, when it comes to our talents, it's gonna be expensive. And yet we see is it's inconvenient. It can be inefficient. It's insane. It can be expensive. It's yet the way that God calls us through his word to love. Secondly, we see that to love without limits is priority number one for the follower of Christ. Here is Jesus. His betrayer has just walked out the door. That's Judas, the false disciple. The weed, the tear, the one who was in the crowd and looking like he was in, but he was an imposter. He had just been identified and now he's gone. Jesus with the cross before him, with literally the weight of the world, going to be resting upon him. He turns to his true disciples. True disciple here today, I turn to you. Because these aren't just for those that were in the upper room. These are in words. These are instructions for every true disciple of Jesus Christ today. And here's what he says to you. Here's what he says to me. A new commandment I give you, verse 34, that you love one another. Now, you might think, well, how is this a new command? Well, it's new, but it's not new, perhaps, you might think. Because after all, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, love the Lord your God. In Leviticus 19, we have love your neighbor. Then Jesus in Matthew 5, he took it up a notch when he said, love your enemies. What? Love our enemies? That was new teaching. That was a whole new understanding. And he even goes on, and pray for those that persecute you? You go, what? Then in Matthew 22, he says the greatest commandment is to love God and then to love others. Based on that love for God, we want to love others. So it's new, but it's not new. But it is new. And here's how we see that. It is new, but not new, but a new commandment that he gives. Because the way that Jesus would demonstrate and the kind of love that he's now talking about had never been seen before, had never been seen before in humanity and has not ever been seen since. And yet he calls us to love in this kind of way. He calls us to to walk this kind of love in the lives, in our own personal lives and the lives of those around us. And so love is priority number one for the disciple. Yes, it is a command. He says, a new command I give you. But listen, you're not being forced to love. This is the the sweet thing about Jesus. He doesn't force himself, his ways upon us. It's not like, okay, fine. I'll love people then just because your word says I don't want to, but I'll just love you. I'll I'll love anyways. Fine, no. That's not where our love is based out of. 1 John chapter 4, great chapter all about God's love. Our love for others is to be a response of what God has done in and through his son Jesus in taking our sin, in taking and, and making a way for our salvation. It goes on to say, while we're, in Romans it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us. He pursued us. When we were lost, he, he, he loved us and pursued us even in our ugly, messed up state. And so in love, we respond back to him. In love, we respond in loving God, in loving Jesus, in worshiping him, but then also in living out his commands. And this command that he has for us is to love others. Thirdly, we see that to love without limits is exemplified ultimately in Jesus. Look at in verse 34 as he's talking about what's going to be happening. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. He just finished washing their feet. The cross was now ahead of them, and these instructions are given. He says, love like this. Because you see, Judaism, in fact, all religion, all religion throughout the ages is oftentimes at the core, oftentimes very loveless. It's often about ritual. It's about routine. It's about rule-keeping. It's about performance. It's having the right outward and 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 form of activity so that others would see it so god would see it and yet you can have do all of this and yet have a heart that is unchanged now you've probably heard this before but in english we have basically one word for love and i might say i love my wife i love my kids and i do say that and that is true but i also love cherries isn't it amazing how the cherry trees are just popping forth? Like, it's going to be no time. I'm going to be popping those babies into my mouth. Like, I love cherries, as you know that, As if you're any time around here. I love certain sports teams. I love angelic eggs. I love egg salad, uh, mayo and not miracle whip. And, and, and so we have all of these different words, all these different ways that we say, all these things that we love, and we have one word for it, and it really can cheapen it to say that I love egg salad sandwiches, and I love my wife, and I love my children. It's, it just doesn't seem to, to work very well. In the Greek, as you know, there are many words for love. Some of the well-known ones is eros love, which is a romantic love. It's this... I want you kind of love. Then there's filial kind of love, which is a brotherly love, a partnership. It's basically treat me right, I'll treat you right. But then there's another one, and maybe this one is not talked about quite so much, but it's called storge, storge love. This is kind of a nostalgic, instinctional kind of affection. It's that kind of love that you just can't let it go. Um, Maybe it's that old pet that is blind, that is deaf, that is so lame, and you just, you're so attached to that pet, and there's just no way you could put it down. Or maybe it's an attachment that you have to those men, to those old sweatpants, those old underwear that your wife just won't let you, wants to throw away, but you're like, no, 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 or that old T-shirt. You just can't part with it. Guys, can any of you relate to that? Wives, any of you relate to that? Well, I have this sweatshirt, my wife, my kids hate it. This is like 25 years old. Even maybe Charlotte's aunt gave it to me for, uh, for Christmas because uh, her husband works at Pepsi. so She probably got it free. And uh, but anyways, this is 25 years old. And I mean, I wear this, I was wearing. This is a sermon preparation sweatshirt. If you just happen to show up at our house, thank goodness for COVID. If you just showed up at our house randomly, you might see me wearing this. If you drive past, you might see me wearing this. Like you know, I've put up the Christmas lights in this. I changed. The the oil a few weeks ago. Even one of the stains didn't come out in the wash from the oil, and you know, and and I mean, my wife, I mean, kids just hate it. They buy me new ones, but there's something so special about this, and and so in the same way, today I used it so I, my pants wouldn't get dirty when I kneeled. I mean, it just, it, I mean, it's just the the shirt that keeps on giving, and you find new uses for it. That's a storge kind of love, and 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 that's you know a good kind of love, and 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 that sort of thing, you know, that, that we have, but. But this isn't what we are being called to. What Jesus is saying here, this new commandment to love one another isn't a storge love, isn't a phileo phileo kind of love. It's not an eros love. It is an agape love. This is the love from God. This is God's love that is divine, that is supernatural, that is withstanding all. It's a limitless love. And it's characterized by a pursuit and a willing sacrifice, what God has performed for us. This is a you before me kind of love. And the full extent of this agape love was soon going to be demonstrated on the cross in Jesus' suffering and dying. If you look at verse 1 of chapter 13, Bibles Open, it says, Jesus loved to the end. As he's gathering together, there's that statement at the end of verse 1 there, it says, And Jesus loved. To the end. He loved to the max. He loved without limits. John chapter 15 goes on to say no greater love than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Jesus said and exemplified loving to the limits. Here's how we are to love. You see, agape love listens, which is a lot different than just hearing. Agape love infer, affirms and encourages others. Agape love empowers and prioritizes others. Agape love takes risks, which means at times speaking the truth in love, sometimes having to say the hard things, confronting even at the risk of being misunderstood, even at the risk of the person getting upset and and turning their back on you, even at the risk of having a person offended, that at times we must and we have to, agape, speak the word of God and speak truth with love. And to speak the hard truths to a brother or sister in Christ in love, it's not easy, but at times it is the most loving. Agape love sacrifices. But here is something agape love does not do. No love does this. Agape love or any kind of love does not enable. It does not enable sin. It does not enable harm. It does not enable bad behavior. It does not enable... wrongdoing now we are called to love and to forgive others regardless of what they've done because that is what God has done through Jesus Christ for us and yet we are to love but we, it doesn't mean that we are to endure abuse or harmful situations and you say do you have a scripture and a verse for that yeah I do first Corinthians 13 verse 6 it says love does not rejoice in wrongdoing when wrongdoing is happening, love does not rejoice in that. And never is any form of abuse to be tolerated. And if you are being abused, or if you are an abuser, get help. Get in touch with us. Let us walk with you. And at times, healthy boundaries are needed. Until things, Lord willing, by faith, eventually get to a place of healing and forgiveness. There's a, Those are the only limits to this agape love. It doesn't enable wrongdoing or sin. And fourthly, we see to love without limits is how we can have a true impact. You know, I believe all of our lives, when you get up in the morning, when you lay in bed at night or throughout the day, all of us, we desire to make an impact with our lives. We all desire to achieve certain levels of greatness. And for some, it could be grandeur and it could be lots of uh, of fame or notoriety and that kind of thing have to really check your pride if that's the case. But we desire, all of us, to do good and to have a good influence on others, whether it's a small circle, a small bubble of people, or whether it's larger. But true kingdom greatness, true greatness measured by God is quite different than how our world defines greatness. Jesus said if you want to be great, pick up a towel and serve. If you want to to, to make and, and leave a lasting impact, love. Love others, yet sadly at times Christians and even the church, we can be known for a lot of other things other than love. Sadly, the church can be known as a place for familiar strangers. You see people, but you don't know people. At times, the church can be known as a place for cliques or being unfriendly. Sadly, the church can be known as a place of judgment. How can you be a Christian and do that sort of thing? Shame on you. Sometimes, how can you struggle like that? Aren't you a believer in Christ? Haven't you been saved? Haven't you been baptized? It's not right. And for you and for I, for Hope Church to have a strong and lasting impact, yes, preaching the word of God without apology is important. Yes, us being a Bible church and being Bible people is important. Being a praying church, a worshiping church, a let's get after it kind of church because after all, a mission must go on. Those are all good, but all above all else, we've got to be a love church. We've got to be a people who love, to love without limits. And it has to be a place, the church has to be a place where it is safe to come and pour your guts out and be loved. It's a love that then propels towards true change. You see, love, acceptance, grace, forgiveness, it's received from God. And we've got to then, as we've received it from God, we've got to share it and we've got to pour it out into the lives of others. You see, this agape love is what propels true change. Love, acceptance in this way, causes that to take place. You know, in my early years in ministry, there was a season that stands out for me that was incredibly life-changing, ministry-altering. I'd grown up in an environment and even kind of went through my, my college training and, 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 and studying and practiced to become a pastor and was already in ministry a number of years. And there was this kind of idea, this mindset that pastors pretty much have to be perfect. You better not share a lot of weakness and you better not share, you know, that you're kind of normal. You, you're not to do that. And, and so there's this kind of like cone of perfection that you kind of walk in or try to cause people to think is going on. And for months, early in my ministry, young, newly married Charlotte, pregnant with our first child, I fought an inner battle of anxiety and fear that was destroying me. And, and I prayed and I pleaded with God. I remember at times being on the floor, crying, tears coming. God, help me, help me, help me. Save me from this. And, and I pleaded with God, but nothing helped. In fact, it got worse. I read the Bible. I was memorizing scripture. And it wasn't, it just wasn't helping, it seemed. It was a dark place. And I actually despaired of life. And finally, one day, by God's grace, I broke. And I told Charlotte, and she said, we need more people around you. We told our parents. I told the elders in the church, and I was terrified to do that because I thought they would fire me for, being, for having such a screwed up pastor. Just get them out of here. Let's get the next one in. But they didn't do that. And what I found was love and concern and prayer and empathy and encouragement and support, and such grace was given. And it was early in the ministry that I learned personally that it's okay to not be okay. But it's dangerous to stay there. And how we need to have that kind of environment within our lives, within our church family, within our groups. We all need community. We all need people in our lives. Yes, I had the word. Yes, I had prayer. But I needed brothers and sisters. I needed God with arms flesh and blood people to wrap their arms around me and walk with me through that. And in that community, there were tough yet loving words spoken to me. There was accountability. There was patience. There was healing. And it was that love, that agape love, God with arms wrapped, that would wrap around me in that way that propelled me to heal and to change. This is the kind of love we see in the Acts 2 church. Yes, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. What a place. I mean, it's just like, oh, I'd love to be part of that Acts 2 church. What a crazy time. But it also says they were devoted to the fellowship, which means their love, their relationship with God translated into a deepening. You before me, love of one another. Those on the outside saw what was going on. They saw this radical love. They saw this care. They saw this concern and it was like tell me more. How do you love like this? Why do you love like this? And what does it say daily daily the Lord added to their numbers those that were being saved. A church that that does this. The church that will love without limits. The small group that loves without limits. Better be ready to buy more tables and more chairs and have more services and have more small groups and be ready to live out the mission in a greater way of what God calls us to live out. But how do we do this? And lastly, we see to love without limits. I can't do it in my power and strength. I can't do it just because I'm amped up and jolted on coffee. That's going to have limits. It's only accomplished in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit has a number of titles and references in the Bible. And one of the sweetest ways that the Holy Spirit is referred to is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit that indwells the believer makes us, because of the love that we've experienced, makes the same love for people in our lives evident and possible because of what he has done the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus on this earth and strengthened him, even as he stretched his arms out on the cross, strengthened him, empowered him to say, Father, forgive them, rather than, Father, get them. That's what I would have done if I was on the cross enduring that hardship and that pain. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Father, what love that is. You see, love without limit is accomplished only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Daily we ask, God, fill us with your Spirit's power and with a love, an agape love for others. In 1 John chapter 5, it says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears. Agape love is God's will for us. You want to know what God's will is for your life? It's to love. This new commandment that he gives to each one of us that we would love one another. And he will furnish this kind of love in us as we call out to him daily. As we mess up hourly in this area and we confess that and we make it right, he will furnish this love in his time in our lives. And you know, I believe in many ways that Hope Church is a loving church. And I want to thank you for the part that you all play in this in one degree or another but i'm calling you i think we can get better i think we can get better we can get better than than what we have i know i can i can do more in this area and i think we all need this reminder and this challenge you know covid19 has wreaked a lot of havoc on a lot of relationships hasn't it would you agree by shaking your head families have been divided A lot of division in social media, churches have been divided, workplaces have been divided, friendships, so much division. And we need that agape love to bring healing and to bring hope. You know, if you pull out of here today and you're driving out of here with a full cup of coffee and you hit a big bump and it spills all over you and you get a little burned, And you get a little annoyed, especially if you weren't driving and it was a person not very safe, you you know, or just like, hey, you could have warned me at least, you know, whatever it is. But when you're driving with that, you see, it wasn't the bump that put that latte onto your lap. The bump revealed what was already in the cup. And I think in so many ways that COVID-19 has revealed what is in many of our cups And in some ways in what has spilled out of our lives, my life included, it hasn't been very pretty at times. And just as Jesus that night with his disciples were there from such diverse backgrounds and experiences and views, politically, economically, he said to them a new commandment that I give to you. Would you love one another just as I have loved you? That is a love without limits. Let's bow together. Lord, we just see in your word here how important it is that in our relationships even today. And this is even crucial for our relationship with you. Because when we're out of sorts with those around us, we can't be in right standing with you as far as a... Uh, Dynamic and a helpful, empowering relationship. And Lord, excuses that we can make up, they won't suffice. Because God, you have loved without limits. Lord, as your people, we have been lavished with such love. Unbelievable grace. And I pray that you would reduce each one of us to this kind of love. This love that looks like Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you feel a million miles away from obeying this verse. Truth be known, you kind of hate almost everyone right now. You have a critical, wounded spirit that looks nothing like Jesus Christ. I encourage you today, believer in Christ, if that's where your heart is, repent today. Confess and commit to make a new start Confess that this hasn't been a priority and you've allowed this to take place and our great God will forgive. Or maybe today you've lost sight of this truth and you've just been bogged down with all that's been going on. Would we turn back and make this a priority? Ask the Holy Spirit today to fill you with this new agape love in a fresh way, in a new way in your life. And God, I pray that it would be ultimately your love that would propel us to love like this. It would be your love that would propel us to bring help and hope and healing to a world that is struggling, to co-workers, neighbors, family members. That even as we hear these words to this song even now, that we would see and grasp in a greater way how deep, how amazing your love is. Oh, that we would be known for our love. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.